TradingNut episode 88. I mean, if you want to talk about reading material and you want to talk about what should I read and what should I not read, what you should do is lose because then you're going to learn. Learning, like I said before, losing is the best teacher for, for learning. So I would say lose, lose some trades. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. Before we start, I'd like to thank our sponsored partner for today's episode, City Traders Imperium. Now, CTI has one of the world's best funded accounts and learning platforms all in one. Get a CTI Forex funded account today and advance a step closer to achieving your personal freedom. To find out more, head over to citytradersimperium.com. That's citytradersimperium.com. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Clayton Hall on the show. Now, Clayton's been in the trading industry for a long, long time, so very different from some of my recent guests who have just been in it for maybe six months, a year. So he's been in it for a long time, and he's going to share his knowledge and insights with you guys today. Plus, we've got a fantastic little video that we shot afterwards where he walks us through pretty much his full strategy. So that's over there on the YouTube channel or on tradingnut.com. Guys, go and check that out. After now, if you've not been keeping up with what's been going on here on Trading Up, there are a few developments. One is I, this weekend, this weekend that uh, has just gone by, I launched the very first ever, and I think it's the first ever potentially in the world, Trading View. No, what's not not a Trading View replay challenge? I've done that for the last five weeks. Uh, it's called Trader versus Trader. So I did the Trading View replay challenge, and a lot of people came to me saying, "Hey, look, I want to do the challenge." I don't know why they wanted to do it. They just wanted to do it. So I said to them, okay, well, look, here's what we'll do. We'll do a competition. It's a knockout competition between traders who want to do the TradingView replay challenge, which is going back on five currency pairs or five pairs of air or symbols or markets or whatever you call them and seeing if you can use TradingView's replay mode to pick good trades. And we calculate that based on the number of R that you make during the five trades, and in this case, trader versus trader, the winner goes on to the next round. They also are competing for a prize from my sponsor at the moment, which is City Traders Imperium. So you can win a $12,500 account, evaluation account, going to a $50,000 funded account. So folks, that's valued at 400 pounds. And that is the competition that these guys are playing for. We've done one round, sorry, one um, one. <laughs> what's it called one challenge at the moment and we've got three more to do before we move to the semi-finals you won't believe this but the 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 winner of the first challenge was taken out by you're not going to believe this another 15 year old trader from sweden crazy there's two on the show two on the show and he didn't just take out the challenge He's blowing everyone out of the water who's currently taking the TradingView replay challenge. I think he got over three R in his five trades. Uh, this guy's only 15. He didn't want to show his face, but I could see his face on uh, Instagram. You can head over there, tradingnut.com, um, and I've got a TradingView replay challenge 
sorry, I've got a, a on the TradingView replay challenge page, I've got a trader versus trader scoreboard leaderboard where you're going to get to see who progresses through the rounds. He was up against a, a guy from Nigeria who lived in Russia, and uh, his name was Chris. So he was a scalper, and uh, this other guy, Jacob, was a swing trader. Now, Two very different styles. You get to see a lot about what they do. You learn a lot about what they do as well. So guys, worthwhile checking out. I'm actually trying to put together a, a shorter version of the one hour, 45 minute uh, live that we did. So hopefully I've got another video coming up where it's just a few few minutes long, maybe 15, 20 minutes, where you can see everything really quickly and skip through all the uh, toing and froing that we do. But do remember to subscribe to that YouTube channel because these will be coming up in the future and you don't want to miss them when they do go live because it's entertainment for us traders out there. It's really good entertainment. Right, without further ado, without further ado, um, I'm going to leave you with one thing before we get onto the show. If you're a podcast listener, you missed out on the Nick Sean Bot promo for my Robot Builders Club, but you still want to get in, then only for podcast listeners, I'm going to give you a secret promo code right now. It's going to be open for September only. You can use this promo code in the shopping cart, but only if you're a podcast listener. It's the only place it's going to be. It's called Nick Nick's Bot Pod. N I C K S B O T P O D. Okay, you can use that in the shopping cart, and you're going to get yourself a discount. You'll also get Nick Sean's bot as well. All right, folks, here we go. Let's get on with it with Clayton Hall. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got uh, Clayton Hall here from Ironman Futures Trading. So welcome to the show, Clayton, all the way there from Boise, Idaho. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've always, like I told you before, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. I think this is a great idea. Your concept is pretty awesome. So I'm excited. Yeah, look, um, Clayton came through. He, he was he saw one of the Trading trading View replay challenges and wanted to come through and, and have a go on that. And I said, look, before you can do that, We've got to get you on the show. We've got to find out about your backstory, how you got into trading, and and all that sort of stuff, um, so that we really sort of know who you are before you jump in and, and do one of these challenges. So to start off with, I mean, do you want to give the guys your full story? How did you get into trading? How did you get started? And all the way up to where you are now. Okay, well, I, I it kind of goes back to I've been married for almost 20 years. And uh, back in 2001, I got married to my wife. And then in 2003... I've always been kind of a risk taker. I bought a fishing lodge in Alaska at 24, 25 years old. Came, uh, did that for a little while, came home, and then I got introduced to trading about 2003 and 2004 by a couple of high school friends of mine. Um, I was living in Seattle at the time, and, and two of my friends were, were doing this, were doing trading. And, and uh, so I did it for a while. I, I bought about eight houses in Arizona. When the market crashed in 2008 is when I really started to get serious about trading because I had money to do it and I just didn't have really have anything else going for me. I, I lost all those houses during the crash. And um, so I, I needed something else to do. So I started trading with my buddy and it was really interesting because I look back on it now and I started trading on a 15 minute chart, just waiting for overbought and oversold. And I look at it now and I'm like, man, that was just, it was crazy the way I started. But then I got um, together with another one of my friends, Jared, who <clears throat> did more of the swing trading style and he had learned from some of the bank traders. So he had kind of studied with them and, and learned the patterns that they looked for in order to get into the market. And I really started to study that, and I've been doing that that style of trading ever since, which is more the swing trading, long-term trading, not scalping. I mean, I know, you know, people make every different kind of theory work. I was never very good at scalping, 
And so how Jared and I used to trade is we would trade out the four hour chart. We would look for certain patterns. And if we didn't get the patterns we were looking for, we would just come back in four hours. And then if we did get a trade, we would just place the trade and then we'd walk away from the chart. So I learned from a very, very early stages in my trading career to place those trades and just let them start working. Okay, cool. And so what, what markets were you trading to start off with? So, you know, with a, with a handle of futures trader, um, you must have been in the futures markets, right? I, I was in, you know, you know what, at the beginning, when I first started, I was trading mainly euro dollar and GDP dollar. And um, just because I was new and those things didn't move as crazy as some of the other things. So I kind of cut my teeth on those. And then I used to think that the pound yen was the crazy one. And then after a few more years, it was the pound Aussie. And then the old saying that, you know, FX kind of gets slower in the summer months. And so I didn't really want to things to slow down in the summer months. And that's when I got more into the futures, the Dow, the gold and everything, because there's never a time when those things are slowing down. So it kind of just morphed into that more futures than FX. Uh, I'm quite interested in the in the early days of when you know you're trading this 15 minute chart overbought oversold. I mean, what what did that look like, and how did you get there? And you know, did you you know straight out of the gate were you making money? How did, how was that? No, I mean, there, just like everybody else, there were times when you made money, and there was times when you didn't. But uh, we would look for the trend. And then we would, every time that 15 minute MACD or whatever it was, there's some casts, I don't remember what it was anymore, was overbought or oversold. We just trade it to the trend side. And I just, I look at it now and I just, I'm, I, I can't believe that that's, I, I, I'm one of the ones. And again, you know, people have different ways of trading and, and whatever works for people. I, I, I believe for, for me, trading the 15 minute chart, you're just trading noise in between big levels. And so I, 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 <laughs> I laugh at it now and I still talk to my buddy and it's just, it amazes me that I, that I thought that that would be a long-term way of success. So. And, and so what, what sort of, you know, was there a time when you thought, ah, oh, okay, I better, I better change what I'm doing now. This is just, isn't going to be sustainable. And that's why, you know, you decided to head down this, I suppose, more bank trading type of style. When I started having to refund my account a lot. <laughs> okay right so you so you were struggling at that point so you weren't really yeah. you know you were you're having some good success and then you were you're draining the account and it just wasn't working okay brilliant all right so and and, and, and you, as you know you know human nature is that you want everything right now everything has to be right now it's, it's get rich now get rich now and there's no patience they don't you know there's no patience to understand that it's it's the long game you know it's 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 a marathon not a sprint but when you're younger, and I was younger at that time, you, you think, man, I just got to get rich now. I see all these people, and you know, Instagram wasn't big back then, but Forex Factory was. And you see all these people talking about all these fancy cars. You just need to have it right then. But the older you get, you know, you realize it's just it doesn't work that way. Yeah, for sure, right. And and so you you know what was what were the sort of information that um, that you were given around this bank trading that completely changed the way you were approaching the you know, this so, overbought oversold so this, trend style yeah this is a new concept i know this is uh, something that just barely came out yesterday but the concept of buy low and sell high so <laughs> yeah and I, i'm being facetious but it's it, people forget and i always use the the analogy we have best buy here in the united states it's electronic store right and i'm sure you guys have your electronic stores there in new zealand but i always use the analogy let's say you go into best buy you walk into Best Buy and they have a 75 inch TV and they say for the next hour, this TV is 75%, 80% off. 
regular price. Well, so the question is whether or not you need that TV or not, are you going to buy it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. And why, why is the reason you're going to buy that? Because the price is low, right? Right. And, and you're, you're creating, and then you hold on to it for the hour, right? And then you've created a market that no one else has. And then you turn around and you sell it and you don't even have to sell it for full retail price. You sell it for whatever. And you've created a market that no one else has. It's about supply and demand. So I learned from a very young age trading wise that I'm going to buy as the market's going down and sell as the market's going up. I'm never going to buy as the market's going up and I'm never going to sell as the market's going down. Right. Okay. Cool. So that's obviously quite a simple concept. I mean, what what else did did you did you I suppose understand when uh, Jared had given you this information around banks? What else was was there that he re- revealed? Well, so a lot of it was understanding what the market makers are trying to do, and and we would always have the philosophy of people would say, well, big banks or big people, the, the people that move the markets, they don't care about the retail trader. And we would say they absolutely care about the retail trader. If they can get a bunch of retail traders doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, it's easy money. It's, it's you know, like stealing candy from a baby. Even though if you try to do that before, it's not really easy to steal candy from a baby. But that's the same. Yeah. Um, so we would, we would say a lot of traders trade breakouts, right? That's just one of the, one of the favorite things for people to do. And a lot of the times, breakouts are false breakouts. And so we had a philosophy of it. It has to go up. If I'm selling, if I'm selling the currency and it breaks a, a resistance level, and then it gives me a certain candle, because you'll get a bunch of retail traders going long the break, right? And then we're looking to reverse it. And I guess that, and, and the, the the theory behind that, and I, like I said, I went over a couple of your other interviews with people, and they that old adage of ninety percent of traders lose, correct? Yeah. 80-90%. Well, if 80 to 90% of traders lose, what's my best indicator? Other traders. Yeah. There right? You go. Yeah. So, so I and it's funny to say that and you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's I go into chat rooms and a lot of times I'll go into these YouTube chat rooms. I want to see what the sentiment of those other traders are. And I have no, as you'll see later, I have no indicators on my chart. I'll never have them on my chart, but I will go into YouTube streams and I'll see what the sentiment is. Cause if 90% of those people are losing, if I do the opposite of what they're doing, I should be okay. So it's just, it's just a different mindset that he taught me to be a contrarian, really think what opposite of what the other people are doing. And it's one of those things that it's like easier said than done to a certain degree, isn't it? It is. It is. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. I was in a, I remember this because it really took me a, some time to learn this way of trading. Cause I was, I was in an Aussie dollar trade. This was back in 2007 and I think we had sold it and it was just screaming up and I'm on the phone with Jared saying, man, I need to get out, man. I need to get out. This is, you know, and he goes, the sooner you, as soon as you get out, it will drop. And sure enough, that's exactly what it did. And so that, you know, he taught me also to be patient and, you know, don't worry about it. Scale into the trades. I do dollar cost averaging. Um, that means I'm going to trade a first position lighter than I most people would because I'm going to add to the position if it goes against me. 
So he taught me a lot about that too, because I, I felt like an idiot because the Aussie dollar tanked and I would have made a lot of money, but I wasn't patient enough to wait for the turn. <laughs> okay. And so, so, all right. So he was, he was basically saying that you've got, still got the retail trader mindset. So as soon as it, yep. as soon as you get out, that's when it's gone. Right. Okay. Yep. That's incredible. And so just on this guy, Jared, um, how did you meet him and, and what does he do these days? Well, I, I went to high school with him, so I, I, I went on ski trips with him and did a lot of things with him, and we've known each other since we were 13, 10 to 13, which was 30 years ago. And um, I, I talked to him a little bit now. His wife owns dental practices, so he, he's busy with that now, but I talk to him every now and again, but there's some things that he taught me back in 2007, 2008 that just 12 years later ring even more true the more I, the more I play in the markets. Okay, cool. Well, it's it's a great story, actually. I, I really like that and the fact that, you know, it's it's all about what the 90% aren't doing, which is something I haven't heard on, sorry, are doing. That's what you don't want to do, which is something I suppose we haven't really heard it that way on the show before, which is which is fantastic. Now, um, do you want to give us some insight into your trading now? Now, what does it look like? So you mentioned four-hour time frame. What, do you trade any other time frames? So I... When I go into the, when I open up my charts every day, I go, my first chart I go to is the four hour and I'm, I'm looking for the trend, right? I want to know what the trend on the four hour is. Then I'll go to the daily. I'll do the same thing on the daily, the weekly, and the monthly. I want to know what those four higher time frame charts are doing. And then I will scale down to the one hour chart to get my entries. And if I can, um, I've been, if, if Paul will tell you the same thing, I've been saying buy dips on gold since 1500. Every time it dips, you buy. And I would explain to Paul and I explain to the stream, every higher time frame from the four hour, the daily, the weekly, and the monthly are an uptrend. So I'm waiting for dips to buy at support levels because I know that the, eventually the higher time frames went out. And mm-hmm. until that pattern changes, I want to trade with the trend. So my trading now consists of, I'm looking for, if I'm buying gold, I'm looking for a tail at the bottom of the body of the candle that's longer than the body. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I want that to be longer than the body if I'm buying because that tells me that sellers are getting rejected. That means the momentum for selling is getting rejected. And if I can align that with the higher time frame charts in the direction, then I'll just reverse it the other way. And, and I've, I found that pattern to be no matter what currency you trade, Forex, uh, any of them, no matter what time frame you trade, it's 85% accurate. And it's quite interesting, eh? Because I think a lot of people do see those big wicks and then they're like, oh yeah, it's, I can see that pressure, but I still think it's going to go the other way anyway. Right, because, because and here's why they here's why they think that. If, if, if I see that gold is going down like it's going down today, and then I see a big candle with a tail at the bottom that has a tail bigger than the body. They all think I better be selling, right? That's their mentality. Is I well, no, the selling was way up higher. You missed it. So now you're just trading the aftermath, and you can get whipsawed. Um, but if I can look and say the trend is up, and even today I've been explaining to people, I know gold has gone down, but nothing's changed. What's changed in the higher time frames? Nothing. They're all still uptrends. So this is either just a massive correction on the up uptrend, or it's a trend 
direction change. I don't think it's a trend direction change. I think it's just a correction and that it will be up above 2100 again here soon. But that's different than what most people think. They see that market going down. They can't fathom. Why would you be buying? Because I'm getting a good price to buy. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And um, and in terms of like placing stops and looking to exit trades, how do they look? So I, it, it, I do two different ones. And because I'm swing trading, sometimes when I place my first position, I won't put a stop loss on it to begin with because I know I'm going to add to a position if it goes lower, right? But I can make, most traders I see have, let's say a 30 pip stop loss. Let's say they're using five $1 contracts. That's 150 bucks, right? So I can, all I'm doing is I'm not taking those five contracts and putting them all at one level. So I might put one of those contracts at 1900 and if it goes to 1850, I'll put another buy and then I'll just spread those, those five lots out. And I can make the risk the same. I might have to trade smaller lot sizes to begin with, but I can make the risk the same. The thing I like about that is how many times have, and it, it's happened to me, it's happened to you, it's happened to everyone. You say, man, I had the direction right. My stop loss was just too tight. Yeah. It happens to everyone. So this way I, I trade around major support and resistance levels. I look for that certain pattern. And then honestly, I don't have the stop loss because I know the first time, because I know I'm going to add to it down lower and then people say to me i can't believe you add to losing trades i'm like yes i do and and is it has there been a time when you've been you know completely wrong and it's you've added to it to your extent and what what happens then well so i do i do a lot of most of my planning happens before i enter a trade right so i know i i play out worst case scenario i play out best case scenario and so another instance when oil you know dropped down to seven or eight dollars in futures i had 30 contracts in at ten dollars to buy and i said this can go to zero and it won't affect more than about eight percent or ten percent of my account so even if it goes to zero which in the futures market i couldn't see it going to zero i i planned for basically zero right so and then i i I, I mean, I, I'm still in some of them, and it's at 41.83, and I got in at 10. So, but there's times when you have to sweat it out, right? I mean, there's times. I mean, I'm in gold right now. I'm in a, an entry on gold at 19.50, and I'm in an entry at gold at 19.20. Well, my 19.50 one is 300 points or 300 pips, whatever you want to call it, in the negative, and my other one's in the negative as well. But I've been through, like we were talking about with that 15-year-old kid that, is the, with the tennis terms, I've been through the battles enough that it just doesn't phase me. And if anyone's wondering, we're, we're referring to uh, Philip Bloom, who was on the the, the Trading View Replay Challenge just yesterday. Uh, right, so he was impressive. He was impressive. <laughs> on, on that, actually, so so without placing a stop and with this Trading View Replay Challenge, it's all based on R, right? So how would you how are you going to approach that? Because I know you're you're keen to do it. I mean. What does that look like for you? I, I'll change, so I'll change it up a little bit. If I so if I, I'm going to wait for the one hour candle close, right? And if or, or probably a one hour candle close, and I want to see that tail at the bottom longer than the body, right? But I'm not going to enter the trade until that hour candle closes, so that's going to be above that, right? If it creates mm-hmm. a tail, obviously the new candle is closing or is, is starting um, up higher. So then I'm going to place the trade. And my stop's going to be below that tail. 
Okay, that makes sense. Okay, well, look, we, we'll do that. We'll leave that for another day. Um, what about exiting these trades? I mean, so you, you, you're scaling in, uh, you know, if it doesn't go in your direction or you're adding to the position, if it does, how do you exit them? And, that, and, that, and there's there's several different ways you can do it. So let's play a hypothetical situation just with the two positions that I have in gold right now at 1920 and 1950. If, if it goes up to 1960, I'm up 400 in the lower position. I'm up 100 in the higher position, right? So maybe I'll take the profit on the higher position, just take it out, and then I'll place my stop on the lower position in profit as well. So then I'm going to scale out of trade, you know, and then no matter what, I make the I make the hundred on the higher position, and then I make a little bit on the lower position. That's usually how I do it. Oh, but I but the lower position most likely would stay in until the market knocked me out. Ah, okay, right, right, right. And um, instruments that you're trading these days, what what ones? I'm in love with the Dow right now. The Dow and I are having a love affair, <laughs> so don't tell my wife. Um, I love because it's just there's if, if you can get the direction right on the on the US 30 or the Dow, whatever, whatever it's called at your broker, you can make massive amounts of money. Massive amounts. I made five or six hundred dollars today just on the Dow and within a couple of hours. So if you can get the direction, I love the Dow. I love gold and I love oil. Those are the three major ones that I do now. Um, and. I, mean, I suppose with oil, you, with your with your worst case scenario of it going to zero, and it, when it went below zero, what happened then? Did you were you in that trade? Well, but 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 it never went below on the future side, ah, right? Yeah, it went below yeah. on that. It never went. It went the lowest it went was seven or eight bucks. So it never went to zero on that. But I was prepared to keep buying down to oblivion, because you have to understand. You have to understand too the fundamentals. And I had a conversation with this guy, with this guy on Paul's stream one day, and, and he's like, well, oil is going to tank because, you know, there's oil tankers that have been out at sea for two months and this and that. I'm like, what you don't understand is the people that move the markets, right, the big players, know that those tankers Whoops, have been hang out on. We, lo we lost you for a second there. We lost you for, you said. Oh, oh I, uh, I'm back. Yeah, it said sorry. Uh, the you know the big players, and just... okay, yeah, the big the big the big players know that those oil tankers have been out there for two months. They didn't just find out about that last night, so that was priced into the price long ago. Right. Yeah. Of course. And, and this guy is saying, well, that's why oil's going to take. And this was a few weeks ago when it was at thirty-five or thirty-six. Now it's at forty-two. And he's like, oil's going to take because of that reason. I'm like, that reason was two months ago. So. I knew that there's countries that rely on oil as in their economy, right? Iran and Saudi Arabia, all these other countries. And I remember in January, I was flying with my wife to Phoenix, January 7th, and I was in oil buys and I was down. And it was the weekend that Iran bombed the U.S. base in Iraq. Well, what happened to oil when it opened after the weekend? I think it gapped 8 to $10, if I remember right. Right. So there are countries like Iran, there's countries like Saudi Arabia that, that rely on oil to be not at seven or eight dollars because their economy will go down the crapper. So they'll create events just to drive that price up. Ah, of course. Yeah. Yep. So, 
in another question i don't ask many people but i'm gonna ask you and i don't know why it sort of sprung to mind but it has so i'm gonna ask it uh when when do you withdraw from your account so this this is another interesting thing too and it's something i've thought about a lot because i go on to you know i go into instagram you on instagram and instagram can be very toxic because you have a bunch of people that have their leased lamborghinis at two thousand dollars a month right a lot of these yeah. people that have their, their leased Lamborghinis cost more than the place they live in, which, you know, it, and it's all about the show. I, I have my house paid off. I don't have any debt. So my monthly nut in order for me to be profitable is about seven or 800 bucks. So it's just a different perspective, right? Because I don't have to make a ton of money. So I usually will once a month or twice a month, and I can show you the withdrawals on it anytime um i'll take out a couple grand three grand and that's it for the month okay because i don't need i don't need a lot you know yeah and any money that we any money that my wife and i bring in in other business stuff goes right into my trading account because it does me no good in my checking account i don't get any interest in my checking account so i'm a big believer in in letting your money work for you Mm. not working for your money and so and that's the reason I have a master's degree in clinical psychology, which has really helped my trading, but I can't go get a job where I can make $300 an hour. And so my time I think is very valuable to me. So until someone offers me a job at three to $500 an hour, I'm going to keep trading because I know I can make three to $500 a day, you know, in a couple hours. So, yeah. So what, what does your typical day look like then? Um, that's a great question. I usually, I'm usually up about six o'clock, six thirty mountain time, which will be eight thirty Eastern. And I kind of, since I'm, I'm big on the US 30 right now, I, I, I like to see, watch it and it opens at nine thirty Eastern. And then I like to just kind of wait for about 45 minutes. Cause usually, especially with the US 30, it'll pick a direction for the day and, and that will be the direction it goes. And there won't be a lot of, you know, I mean, today it was a down day, right? If you look at the 30 today, it, it went from 28, 114 to 27, 600. That's 400, 500 points. And it really hasn't done anything other than that. Once it rejected 28, 114 today several times, it just went nothing but down. So once I get the direction right, I, I'm in one right now up about 400 points. And once you get the direction right on that, so I'll wait usually about 45 minutes to an hour, see what the direction wants to do, and then I'll just start pounding away on the direction. Okay, and and then, I mean, what what, what do you do outside of the trading? I mean, does you're saying sort of a couple of hours a day. How does it work? You chilling out? Yeah, I, I go into streams and I cause trouble <laughs> just okay. because it's fun. And I'm pretty bored. And another thing people are like, oh, I want to be a, be a full-time trader on being a full-time trader is 90% boring. It, your day consists of basically 90% boring because if you don't have the pattern, if I don't have the pattern that I'm looking for, I don't trade. So I have to find ways to entertain myself during the day. And so one of the things I do, because I'm a big believer in the mental side, I go fishing. I'm an avid fisherman, fly fisherman. And that's how I clear my head. So, I'll, I mean, here, in a, here next week, my five kids will all be in school. My wife has a company with her sister that she works at. So I'll have the house to myself and I'll just go fishing. Nice. I'll place my trades and then I'll just go fishing. 
in the so, in the beginning, what do you think made you different from the average trader out there? I mean, what traits did you have, and what actions did you take? I'm not afraid to lose. I'm not afraid to lose, and and when I started to become successful is when I had the same attitude, no matter if I won or lost. I'm pretty much numb to anything at this point. I've been doing it for 17 years, so I'm numb to it. I don't care if the chart shows that I'm up big or I'm down big. I just don't care. And so I think when when traders get to the point where they can have the same emotional response to a win and loss, that's when you start becoming really successful. That's, uh, that's interesting advice for everyone out there, I think. Um, what about a retail trader working a day job? I mean, what what would you recommend they do to, to get to where you are? Well, first of all, you have to you have to establish what your goals are, right? Because my goals at 43 years old are going to be different than what the goals of a 20 year old are, right? My my focus is on getting my kids to college and kind of winding down my trading career because I've been doing it for a long time. So I think one of the biggest mistakes retail traders make, and we kind of touched on it a little bit ago, was they think they need to get rich right now. And a lot of these kids, 18 to 20 year olds, they don't. They have a long time. You know, they can they can experience different things. But a, a lot of them, and, and I, I love listening to TED Talks. And I, I and one of them was this guy said he talks to young people these days, and you know they graduate, they get a job, and then after eight months he says, well, how are you doing? And they said. They say, I'm just not making an impact. It's like, well, you've only been there for eight months. You know, I mean, they don't, they want to be at the top of the mountain, right? They want that top of the mountain, but they're not willing to put in the time that takes to get to the top of the mountain. So what I would, what I would advise young traders to do is take your time. You don't have to buy that lease Lamborghini in the first three weeks, the first two years, right? Yeah, but at least Lamborghini can come later on, of course. It can come uh, later. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, it's funny because I did a picture the other day. That, you know, you get the bikini girls in front of the least Lamborghini. And so I, I'm I'm going to be posting one of a bikini girl next to my minivan. Right. Because, because why does it matter? What does that prove? Like, I don't understand what you're trying to portray or try to, you know. So I would say first establish your goals and what your goals are. And, and it's going to be different. Every one of us is uniquely individual, and our goals aren't going to be the same. Yours and I's goals aren't the same, you know. Um, so I, I first come up with a plan, and then Jared always said to me, um, "Come up with a plan and then trade your plan." Hmm. Indeed, indeed. Now, and, and, I, and I said before, earlier, I said ninety-five percent of my planning for the trade comes before I even push the button. It's what if this happens? What if this happens? What if I anticipate this? I anticipate that. And one of the things that I don't like why I don't have indicators on my chart is because for the most part indicators are lagging indicators, right? Yeah. So if I'm using an indicator to get into a trade, that trade might have already played. So I want to anticipate the market. I don't want to be reactive to the market. And I think that a lot of the times these these kids get into these all these Fibonacci's and all these different things, and they can work for people, but there's a lot of, there's people that know exactly the same things you're using. And they're the people that move the markets and they know that 618 Fibo level. They know the 786 Fibo level. And how many times have we seen something spike right into those and then go up again or go down again in the direction you wanted it to? So I would say learn the trade your plan, um, have goals and then as soon as you can get rid of all indicators because it will help you see the market better. 
So, so what three things would you recommend someone look at on a price chart? Well, I, like I said, I, I would I would map out. I I go to my four hour chart, like I said from the very beginning. Go up, go to my four hour chart. I would map out major support and resistance levels, and they may be different. They may not exactly correlate with other people's, but map out those support and resistance levels because a lot of the times, uh, gold or any of them will trade between a range. Right? Let's just say. The support level is 1906 right here and then the resistance level is 2022 so the only thing the only two that matter at that point are 1906 and 1922 right yeah until it goes above that one or goes below that you're just trading within the range of that of that area and a lot of trading is done between ranges there's not a lot of the times where things just break out and just break out and, and do their thing so look for that say what is the range i'm trading between today and then if it does if it goes above the range or it goes below the range what do i do then so i i just I, and i ask myself a lot of questions what happens if this happens what happens if this happens so it's more anticipating what i'm going to do instead of reacting to what the what it's doing so so with, with somebody who's got a uh, clinical psychology degree i mean what do you what do you say about a trader's mindset? I mean, do you have a like something some magic sort of wand you can wave to to fix people? I lost people? you for a second again. Sorry, uh, am I there again? You're you're still here. Yeah, so I, I'm talking. Um, I'm talking about your, your your trading psychology. What what do you have for us? Like in terms of you know what can what can somebody do to help improve what they're you know struggling with? Well, I'll I'll say this, and and I. I, I say something sometimes and, and I don't mean to be mean to people or anything. You need to grow thicker skin. Most of these people trading. Um, and the other thing is these, these, especially for the younger traders in their twenties and stuff, this is the first generation. I don't know if you've ever heard the word participation trophy generation. Uh, I've heard various sort of versions okay. of it. Participation <laughs> trophy generation your like your eighth this. place trophy. Right, your eighth place trophy because we can't have winners or losers, right? So in a in a soccer game, your soccer in New Zealand, you can't. So everyone wins, right? Well, that's just not life, right? Yeah, you're gonna lose, and so get used to losing. And losing is the best teacher in the world. The the the, the times I've learned the most isn't when I've won, the times I've learned the most is when I've lost. So don't be afraid to lose. Pick yourself off the ground. No one owes you anything. You're not entitled to anything. And I think a lot of the times these new kids, and, and I say this because I have teenagers too, they think they're entitled to it. You're not. You're entitled to nothing. So earn it. Take the time, do the homework, and earn it. You know, I, I mean, you and I, you know, we've been, how many times have have you been knocked down in your life? Oh, yeah, plenty. Similar age to you, so yeah, lots of times. Yeah, and, and, you, and you get up, you dust yourself off, and you learn how to get around that mountain, or you learn how to get around that brick wall. You 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 improve. But I think, especially as parents too, when I talk to parents in the psychology realm, they don't give their kids opportunities to fail. They it's the helicopter parenting, right? They have to protect them. And I I I say this to my kids all the time. I say I. I want them to fail as many times as they can while they're living in my house. And why would I want them to do that? 
yeah, exactly. You know, so that they can build that muscle up, build that the thicker skin. Right, but but also I can course correct them if they're making those mistakes in my house. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. When I'm in, when they're in the real world, and I haven't taught them how to course correct, and they got out in the real world, and they don't know how to do it. That's when you get in a lot of trouble. So I, I give my kids as many opportunities to succeed and fail as they can, and they sometimes they fail, and that's awesome because then they learn and grow. So I think the most growth happens when you fail and when you lose. But we're in society today. We're too afraid to let people fail. Yeah, I mean, I I, I uh, used a word actually. I changed a word, and that's all I did. And this was quite a few years ago. And it was a it was the word problem. Uh, I changed that to the word challenge. And so whenever something came up which was a problem, I just said, right, I've got a challenge. And my daughters would say the same, right? They've got, oh, I've got a problem, Dad. And I've got, no, no, yeah. no, you've got a challenge. You've got a challenge to overcome. And mm-hmm. it, all of a sudden, just for whatever reason, you will come up with the solution because you've just changed that one word. Yep. yep. So it's a, it's a mindset. And, and there are some young kids that are very talented, like this kid we keep talking about. But I think the majority of the time, young traders lose because they want, they want the show right now. They yeah. want everything. And they don't understand that it's... It's you got to climb the mountain, and it's even older traders as well. You know, they're the same yeah. same deal. You know, you're, you're working a day job and you're wanting to get out of it, and uh, you'll sort of do anything. You just want it now, right? You don't want to have to put in three years worth mm-hmm. of work to then leave your day job. It's like it doesn't make any sense. And that's and that's a terrible. It's a terrible thing that's happening just in general in our society. Is is this this notion that we're entitled to have everything right away? And um, it, it's getting it's getting worse as the other generations come along because they've just been coddled their whole life. And, and so that's why I, I have a reputation in, in this industry of being a, a mean cuss because I'm just telling you the truth. The markets don't care about your feelings. They don't. They'll tear you apart, eat you up for lunch, and laugh at you. The markets don't care. So you need to learn how to not care either. The markets, the markets don't know your name. You're not that important, you know, and I'm not either. You know, I, I just tell people all the time, I, the, people spend a lot of time worrying about the opinions of others. And so I'll ask them, when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and you think of all the important person, people in your life, are they one of them? When I wake up in the morning, I think of my wife and my kids and I try to be nice to everyone. But if you don't like me or if someone else doesn't like me, I don't care. You're not relevant to me, Right. Now you're relevant to other people, not saying you're not relevant in life, but you're just not relevant to me. So why am I going to let things you say about me affect my well-being, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, um, last question before we go into the quick fire round here is, I mean, what if you're going to walk away, if somebody was going to walk away from this interview and, or they might already be walking, who knows, that uh, they... they <laughs> If they, they leave this interview, what would you recommend they spend the next month mastering? I would say um, don't trade a demo account. Okay, new people that are, are wanting to get in the market, start with a live account. And the reason I say that is because the emotions of trading live and the emotions of trading demo are completely different. So the, the quicker you get into live bullets and, and, and see how your emotions can deal with that, the better. Um, I'm I'm a firm believer in no demo trading. 
So even if it's a $50 account, whatever it is, just get used to placing those trades and, and getting used to how you feel emotionally. And if your emotions are too out of whack, that probably means you're trading too high of lots, right? And, and what, what about like, I mean, this sort of notion of being underfunded? Uh, I think I read that somewhere the other day, and I've obviously heard it before. Is that is that something that you think's a factor for people not being able to make it, like even sort of grow I, a small account? I, I don't care what the size of your account is. It can be $50. What I want to see is that you're consistently growing it. Um, the, the money will come. But if you come to me and say, I have a $50 account at the end of the month, it's $54. Well, you grew it, right? You grew it by 4%, 5%. But people can't get that in their head because it's not a big dollar amount. Then you, you know, you build it by $7. The next month you build it by 11. I don't care about the, I don't care about the account size. I don't care about the lot size. I care. Are you being consistent every month? And at the end of the month, you have more than you had before. Hmm. And if it's $2 more, that's great. You know? Um, the money will come once you get used to that. But I really am a big, big believer in pushing that button and, and seeing how you, your emotions uh, play out. Because that's the big, I think the big sticky point for most people in trading is not their analysis or not their, their thing, but just the emotional. And that's why Jared and I used to go, we used to place our trades on the four hour chart and then we would walk away. And one of the reasons is you're more likely to mess with the trade if you're sitting there at the charts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So trust your analysis and, and just walk away is what I like. I, I try and get away from the charts at least three or four hours a day when I'm in trades. Cool. Well, let's, so. let's jump into the quickfire round. So this is going to finish off yeah. the show here. So how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Three or four years. What's your favorite entry setup? Um, when everyone else wants to sell and I buy gold. When it's dropping and I have a four-hour candle that's a solid candle, just dropping like a rock, and then I flip it, turn it, and buy it, and everyone tells me I'm crazy. Uh, what strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Um, it's always based on resistance levels. If I'm buying, I, I want to see if it hits a resistance level, I give it some time to pop above it. If it takes hours to do that and then it starts rejecting it, then I start moving my stops to break even or to profit but I always leave something there just in case it wants to pop. But I would I use the same pattern that I I use to enter a trade, also to exit a trade. What's your recommended uh, trading book or resource? None. What's your preferred well, broker and, and trading platform? Well, uh, I, I do trade. I do uh, Hugo's way, um, and the reason I do that is five hundred one leverage. And I know that you know Hugo's way has a bad pretty bad reputation sometimes, but every time I've, I've requested money, um, I've gotten it. And listen real quickly before we end, let me just, let me just, I, I said something before, but I'm, I just lost my train of thought. That last thing I said to you, what was that last thing I said? Um, I asked about a, a book or a resource. You said no. Oh yeah. And the, re yeah, the reason I say that is because a lot of the times you can get analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis, excuse me. And you can spend too much time analyzing and then it can cloud things up for you. Trading doesn't have to be complicated. And I think a lot of the times people make it too complicated because they really want to dip dip into books. And that the person in the book, you're never going to be able to follow exactly what they tell you in a book. You're going to have to do your own journey. So I say don't read any of them. Look at the charts, trade, and, and learn that way. And learn that, you know, I just, I don't know. There's going to be different books for every different strategy. And you can just get really 
confused and paralyzed if you do too much of it. Quickly walk us through your worst ever trade. My worst ever trade? I, I mean, I could I could list several of them. I, I did a pound dollar trade last summer during Brexit, and I was buying it. I started buying it at 131, and it went down to 120 or 118. And I had multiple positions, probably 20, all the way down to 122 or so. And it was it was a nail biter. Um, it ended up turning around and I made money on it, but there was a long time there that it was a nail biter. I had just people just saying, I told you you're wrong. I told you you're wrong. And you know, you start getting that in your head. And there was a couple of times I, I seriously just considered taking the massive loss and moving on. But I mean, there, there's times when I trade like this, that you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to decide if you want to take the loss, if you're going to wait to, but I mean, I've had many trades that, that I've lost thousands of dollars on and, it does, just doesn't even matter to me anymore. Now, the uh, the last question of the show is one piece of advice for our listeners. What what can they walk away with? What can they walk away with? Um, you can be successful at it. Um, don't kick yourself too much if you lose. Losing is the best. best. I mean, if you want to talk about reading material and you want to talk about what should I read and what should I not read, what you should do is lose. Because then you're going to learn. Learning, like I said before, losing is the best teacher for for learning. So I would say lose. Lose some trades. Brilliant. Well, look, uh, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Um, Ironman Futures Trading on Telegram is my uh, Telegram. I don't do – I have a Ironman Trading on YouTube. You can see some of the videos. I don't like YouTube. I used to stream a lot. I just don't like it. But Ironman Futures Trading is really the only place I'm at right now on Instagram. So – and I, I'm always there. I, I'll answer questions. I'm, I'm more than I, I'm. I'm getting to the end of my career, like I said, and I want to. I want to pay it forward. I want to help people learn how to do it the right way. And so I'm always willing to answer questions and and even do webinars for people. So superb. Well, look, a uh, big thank you for Clayton for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Clayton in the search box on tradingnut.com, or you probably could even search for. Uh, Iron Man Futures Trader as well. Uh, until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, so there we have it, guys. Interview with Clayton Hall done. Do remember to head over to tradingnut.com or the YouTube channel to check out the video we shot after this. And also, 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 do remember the trading trader versus trader competition that I've got running. Go and check that out, guys. I don't think the shortened video is going to be ready yet, but at least go and check it out over there. You'll be able to get a feel for how it works and see this 15-year-old Swedish trader do, do his thing. Uh, right, folks, uh, last but not least, Nick's Bot Pod is the coupon code if you do want to join Robot Builders Club, only for podcast listeners. Right, guys, see you in the next episode.